How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome in to another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnston. On this episode of BNB, we are going to take a look at the MLB standings and take a deep dive into some of the playoff races upcoming. We'll have a shotgun six pack as well. But first, our throw it back and chug stat of the week. The Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Chicago Cubs 11 to 2 on this date of 2000 as Kurt Schilling got the complete game victory. Steve Finley hit his 29th home run, great player for Arizona while Sammy Sosa does the lone production for Chicago. He went three of four with his 39th and 40th home runs as part of a 50 home run season. That season, Sosa hit 320 with 138 driven in and the 50 home runs. Where do you think he finished in the NL MVP voting? He had to have been probably top three uh, would be my guess. But in 2000, Barry Bonds, uh, Mark McGuire, I would say third. He finished ninth. He finished ninth, really? Yeah. Who who won it that year? Um, I was looking at the list, and honestly, it was one of those things where it's not like like yes, you could argue he should have been higher, but it wasn't like a for sure that he should have. This was just part of the steroid era. All up, um, I. Don't know. He probably wins MVP, but it was Jeff Kent who won MVP. Jeff Kent won MVP, really? Yeah, so it was Kent, Bonds, Piazza. All three of them had over 1,000 OPS. Jim Edmonds was at 994 OPS in fourth. Todd Helton at 1162. Vladimir Guerrero over 1,000. Jeff Bagwell over 1,000. Sammy Sosa was over 1,000. He was actually tied ninth with Gary Sheffield, who was over 1,000. And then Andrew Jones was eighth with like a 907, but great defense. So – it was just everybody was just mashing the ball. That is unbelievable. Hey, I, okay, I got one for you here. In mm-hmm. that game, who was the catcher for the Chicago Cubs? <laughs> I have no idea. Is it Mike Piazza or something? No. He never played was, for the Cubs. I don't know why I guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> it was Joe Girardi. Really? He played yeah. that late? He oh. played that late. Yeah, I had no idea. I was I was curious because I knew this was our throw at back stats, so I wanted to look at the rosters, and I was going through it. And there were some pretty interesting names, but that was the one that stuck out to me. I was like, this is pretty crazy. Kyle Farnsworth was pitching for the Cubs then. 
Um, that was kind of a unique one. And then Gary Matthews. Remember Gary Matthews mm. Jr.? Gary Matthews yeah. was playing outfield for them. So I thought that was kind of intriguing. But, yeah, Joe Girardi was the catcher for that Cubs team. So all so many fun facts. Uh, love playing that game of do you remember this guy? So uh, that's basically what we do here on Booze and Baseball like half the time. I love it. Well, what are you drinking on this episode? Um, and then we'll get into our season-long beer pong. Yeah, I had a wine earlier today, and then I had to drive uh, probably three hours later. So I, uh, after my location of driving, uh, I've had some water to cool down. But the wine that I had today that was very good, though, it was a Malbec. And I must add, the Malbec from Paso Robles, um, it's called uh, – actually, it's in Los Olivos, not Paso Robles. It's Los Olivos Roblar. It is phenomenal. Uh, highly recommend it to anybody. That's what I was having earlier today, though. Uh, so that was my little booze and baseball pre-warm-up, pre-game, if you will. So uh, well, we're going to count that as this. But now it's now it's some agua because I just had to finish my drive. What about you? Okay. Um, I went to the store today and I tried to buy just one individual beer. And they're like, you can't do that. You have to buy a full six-pack. So what a tough I was like, life. I know. It was very, very difficult. Um, but so what I did, I just poured some tequila and some Sprite in a cup. It's fine. It's nice. fine. <laughs> nice. What kind of tequila is it? Uh, it's Jose Cuervo. I think I have the bottle downstairs. Yeah, so it's fine. You know, it. The problem with Sprite and tequila is that it just ends up tasting like tequila, just without the like heat of the tequila. Which I don't drink tequila to taste the tequila. I don't know. So it's you're, fine. It's fine. You're like creating almost. It's like a margarita ish. You're basically adding the lemon to that too. That's what's weird about it. I guess I don't know. I I've had plenty of times tequila and Sprite, and it's. I mean, something I would probably get like five years ago when I was in college is kind of what I would do. So props to you, DJ, uh, a man that owns a home still rolling along. I I, I can appreciate that. Uh, what is, uh, are your picks for season long beer pot, which I should mention, uh, you hit the Phillies over the Nats, you hit Baltimore over Pittsburgh. So you're on a heater here. You're getting balls back for the third straight time. I only have two cups left on this side of the table. You have six over there. So if you hit both, you have an opportunity to, to kind of end things here. Otherwise, I, I could possibly rebuttal. I don't know. Uh, so who are your picks this week? Yeah, um, I just want to make this one fun. So I looked at the Dodgers Marlins and that felt automatic. And then I realized maybe it's not automatic because Sandy Alcantara is pitching on Sunday. So uh, having him pitch, that made me kind of hop away from that series just because you never know. I I, I never want to you know go against the best pitcher in the league. So I'm going to have a fun one here. How about the Padres over the Nationals just because it's Juan Soto against his former team? Uh, I feel like that's a good one right there. The Padres haven't looked especially great lately, but uh, with the news of Tatis, they're going to have to really, really kick it into gear. And I think that this is a series they know that they have to really win. With the Giants on their tail right now, I feel like that's a pretty safe pick. Uh, But it's a fun one to see Soto facing his former team at home. I will take the Padres. And the other one, the Mariners are on the road in Oakland. Uh, this is just a team that I, I love. I love watching the Mariners play. They're a fun unit. Mitch Hanniger's back. He's hitting well. Uh, I'm going to take the Mariners to win this series as well. Okay. I like both of those. Uh, it would be funny, though, if C.J. Abrams just went revenge mode on the uh, Padres and just, just messed them up that series. And that's what I'm rooting for because uh, I don't want to lose season-long beer. Okay, <laughs> we're going to take a dive into the MLB standings. Let's start in the AL East. The New York Yankees – are 72 and 45 they're nine games up on the tampa bay rays nine and a half on the blue jays orioles are right there uh behind the blue jays and rays competing for wild card spots 
Red Sox aren't super far behind, but they're still below 500. But the Yankees, the reason these teams are even that close is because they're kind of struggling here. They're two and eight over the last 10. Goes even further back than that. Some are calling it the curse of Joey Gallo. What do you make of the AL East? Are you actually giving credence that anybody could catch up to them? And uh, I guess, do you think that we could get how many teams from this division for the wild cards in the American League? Yeah, it's it's going to probably be three teams would be my assumption here. Uh, I think the Mariners are going to take the other wild card spot. They're going to take one of the three, I should say. Um, I have a gut feeling that the Baltimore Orioles, the way that they've had this season go for them, I still think that they're going to have some kind of tailspin at the end here uh, because I think the Rays and the Blue Jays truly are still the better teams. And so to me, it's going to be the Yankees still winning the division. Uh, They have enough of a cushion, I think, to be able to make it through here. But I wouldn't put it past the Blue Jays to be able to make a surge here late. I I feel like if there's a team to do it between the Rays and the Blue Jays, it's going to be the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have great pitching. Uh, The offense is electric. They just got George Springer back. The Blue Jays play with a lot of enthusiasm. They run on a ton of momentum. The Rays just kind of play good baseball. And when you play good baseball, that doesn't necessarily mean it's emotionally driven. When you play emotionally driven baseball like what the Blue Jays kind of do, the thing is you can really go on major highs and major lows. And uh, with that, I mean, they know exactly what's happening with the Yankees right now. They know that the Yankees are kind of falling apart in some way, shape, or form. So – Maybe that they go on this wild win streak, uh, there's a chance to catch them. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think the Blue Jays will end up with the number one wild card spot in the AL East. I think the the Rays will probably end up with the third wild card, and I would say the Mariners will be right smack dab in the middle there with the second wild card. Yeah, I don't think anybody's catching the Yankees for the division, but it's starting to get to a point where it's like, hey, if they don't turn this around, this is not going to be good once you get in the playoffs against one of these teams. Like, if you had a series start today between the Blue Jays and the Yankees, Yankees are still going to be favored, but it's it's not going to be by nearly as much as it would have been a week or two ago. Um, I do think the Blue Jays will end up being a wild card team. I, I don't know. I, I'm not totally seeing it there with the Rays. I could see somebody catching them. I would love for the Orioles to make the playoffs. I think that'd be really cool. Like Adley Rutschman looks like maybe the best catcher in the American league right now. He has been so good since coming up, but if you get the blue Jays in a playoff series, that can be a little scary with uh, you know, some of the, the guys they have in that lineup there that they could just get super hot over a short period of time. Um, Red Sox are the team that they're like, they're not totally out of it, but it's just, it feels like there's no life there. So I, they're the one team that I feel like is, is kind of dead. Let's move over to the uh, AL Central. Cleveland Guardians, this is, this is a really fun race. Cleveland Guardians are in first. Minnesota Twins are halfback. White Sox are just a game back, starting to get healthy here. Both the White Sox and the Guardians have won seven of the last ten. And then you have the Royals and Tigers who are sitting way back in fourth and fifth. Both those teams have the opportunity to kind of play spoiler here. I don't know how much that will happen for the Tigers. They're just straight up bad. The Royals, though, have been kind of interesting since, you know, the trade deadline and, and calling up a lot of these young guys and some of the young players are performing well. So they might play a little spoiler as part of uh, some of these divisional teams they'll play. Yeah, I think Spencer Tolkolton will be called up and he'll hit 50 home runs here to end the season. Uh, no, they, they, the Tigers are so bad. It's unbelievable. But the Royals have some things to look forward to. Uh, man, Vinny Pasquantino looks just unbelievable right now. That guy is major pop. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. obviously is special. So the Royals have something to look forward to at the very least. Um, As far as who I think is going to win this division, 
It is such a toss-up. It's almost who doesn't want this thing. I think the team that probably makes the most sense, the team that's probably the most battle-tested, uh, that has the most history in the playoffs recently with what the units that they have would be the Cleveland Guardians. Um, I think the rotation's the best out of the crew there. I, I really like, obviously, what we've seen from Shane Bieber lately. Uh, Cal Quantrill has looked pretty decent. Uh, he hasn't looked great in his most recent start, but overall, he's looked pretty dang good. And the offense is showing up, too. Uh, you see Jimenez kind of producing outside of, obviously, what we've seen from Jose Ramirez. Um, you also have seen kind of the production from uh, some of the guys you would not normally expect in that lineup to, to kind of produce late later in the game. So I, I'm i hopeful for the Guardians that they can kind of hold on to this thing because I think that they'd be probably the best chance to – play a spoiler of some sort in the playoffs since nobody really is believing in any of these AL central teams. But I will say this, the most talented team overall would be the white Sox. I still believe that they are the most talented. Um, the question is, can they stay healthy? They've injured literally every part of the human body possible this season um, and losing Tim Anderson. That's like the heart and soul right there. Luis Robert has been hurt almost. It feels like virtually every day. I just, I don't know if I'm buying the white Sox this year. Uh, yeah, it, it just feels like something's wrong there. But they the fact that they still keep hanging around, even despite all that, makes me kind of think that, yeah, maybe this is uh, for them to do. As far as the Tigers go, I, I've seen a lot of stuff about, you know, this is uh, an example of a team who tried to rebuild and tank, and it went completely the wrong way, and the rebuild failed, and now they're going to have to re-rebuild, which is not good. Spencer Torkelson has a 179 average in AAA so right now. So um Royals are getting to a point with these young guys where I'm like starting to be like, they're going to win the division next year. Like they, you look at a lot of the stats since, you know, certain dates when guys came up and they're like a top half or top 10 ish in certain categories, offense. They're very interesting to me. Daniel Lynch and both Brady Singer are like looking good. Chris Bubich has looked a lot better. They're interesting, but put a, put a fork in them for this year. Um, the Twins, I like if they can get to a playoff series a little bit because guys like Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa who have had some injuries, you know, it's going to be kind of like all out once you get to the playoffs. And I think you'll start to see Byron Buxton maybe steal more bases if they get to a playoffs or play harder in the field and, and not get all these games where he might be DHing or, or sitting. Carlos Correa obviously has been so clutch in the postseason. They're really interesting to me. I just tip of the cap to the Guardians, man. I, I hate how they don't spend any money. Like, that sucks from an ownership perspective. But the GM and the scouting and, and everything that goes on, to get out of what they've done and to constantly have these, like, solid starting pitchers, and they're going to have a couple more upcoming with Espino and Gavin Williams at some point in the next couple of years. And I, I don't know. Espino might even be up at, at some point this year. Um, and – with what has happened, like Andres Jimenez is 23 years old and he's mashing now after two years where he didn't really do much. And you have guys who are kind of emerging there and they're just piecing it together. I, I think I'm leaning the Twins win the division, but it really is just a complete toss-up between any of them. And I, I, I don't think that any of them are going to end up getting a wild card because I think they might beat each other up a little bit, plus with the Royals playing better, that it might be tough. But I guess – you can say the same with the AL East that they're going to beat up on each other. Okay, we'll finish it up in the AL West on the American League. Astros are 10 and a half up. They look like they're going to coast to the uh, division title here on the Seattle Mariners. Then the Mariners have an even bigger lead. It is 11 and a half games on the Rangers. The Angels are doing Angels things again. And the Oakland Athletics are just terrible. They're like the worst team in baseball. 
Yeah, I mean, you basically nailed the nailed it right there. Uh, the Astros are playing really great baseball. Their rotation's scary. They look like they're going to be a threat to go to the World Series again this year. I feel like they may actually be the favorite in the American League at this time. But, man, the Seattle Mariners are just one of my favorite teams to watch. I, I love watching that team play. I was a little bummed that Luis Torrens gets a walk-off base hit, and then he gets DFA'd like two days later. That was kind of a sad thing to see. I mean, you, you have probably the biggest moment of the season. You could argue one of the best games of the year. Um, and then he gets DFA'd. I, I, that was kind of a bummer. They sent down Kyle Lewis to try and get him reps to figure out what the heck was going on with him. He was sitting great that had a concussion and has kind of fallen off. But, man, Mitch Hanniger has looked really, really good. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez is coming back, too. Ty France has kind of fallen off, fallen off a little bit. So uh, maybe he's returning back to what, you know, is more of kind of a above average player than what he was doing at the start of the season, which was hitting at an elite level. But even that, uh, to have those additions of Mitch Hanniger and obviously Julio returning back to the lineup, uh, this is a scary team. I, I would not want to face them in the wild card, especially now that they also have Luis Castillo in the rotation. I mean, they're going to be fun to watch. I hate the rest of this division, man. Uh, the Rangers firing Chris Woodward. Um, they're kind of all over the place. They also fired John Daniels. Uh, then you have the Angels that, as you mentioned, they just do Angels things. Nothing makes sense with them anymore. Um, I, I cannot stand watching that team play. They're probably like the biggest eyesore, which is so sad because they have probably the most exciting player in baseball on their team that is just sitting there thinking, man, I, I why did I come here? You know, and then the Oakland A's, good luck naming uh, probably six of their nine starting lineup, you know, talent because quite frankly they don't really have a full starting lineup you know it's a bunch of guys they intertwine uh tony kemp is like one of their best hitters seth brown is their four hole hitter it, it is just awful in oakland right now yeah houston's my pick at this point with the yankees struggling to go to the world series i love that pitching depth you have verlander at the top uh, christian javier has been so knocked down this season i don't really have much else to add in that division but i i do hope the mariners make the playoffs i hope they can win a playoff series or something like that because that would just be really cool for uh that whole city there into the national league nl east new york mets have a three and a half game lead over the atlanta braves the phillies are 10 back but they're a possible wild card team here and then you take get the big drop off to the marlins and another big drop-off to the Washington Nationals, who have the worst record in the MLB. I don't know who I would take in a seven-game series, the A's or the Nats, but uh, what's your thoughts on the NL East? Wow, that would be the ultimate toilet bowl. I, I think that that's a series that you would actually have to pay me to watch because that just sounds terrible. I, I love baseball. That's not real baseball right there. That That's two really crummy teams. But, uh, you know, it, looking at this division, it is pretty amazing because the top three teams – I know that the Mets are in first place. I know that they have a commanding 10-game lead over Philadelphia. It's only three and a half, as you mentioned, over the Braves right now. I really don't even think the distinction, uh, the differential between the Mets and the Phillies is that significant. Um, if you're talking about a seven-game series between any of these three against each other, I mean, I, I really think that a lot of times that's coming down to the seventh game. Uh, the Mets have incredible pitching, of course, with DeGrom and Scherzer, and that's probably what I would say gives them the edge. Obviously, Pete Alonso in the lineup. Uh, the call-up of Brett Beatty is really intriguing to me uh, just because, you know, he's obviously got pop. He hits a home run in his first MLB at bat. That was a really cool moment. But the Atlanta Braves, man, I, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time picking against them. Like, I, I kind of have this gut feeling that they're returning back to the World Series. It, it's, it's somewhere deep in my soul where it's Dodgers-Braves again, 
And if you try to compare pitching right now between the Dodgers and the Braves, I mean, it's close, man. It's it's really close with Max Freed there at the top. He shut them down in the past. It feels like that's the inevitable NLDS playoff matchup. At least that's what it's setting up to be right now. And if it's not that, it's going to be the Dodgers-Phillies, right? And the Phillies have had the Dodgers number number one in the postseason in the past. Um, yeah, we have to dig kind of deep to that. But, gosh, Kyle Schwarber reminds me of Matt Stairs all over again. And, and as a Dodgers fan, you don't want to see that, right? So – um, the pitching for the Phillies is really good uh, in that rotation. Having Nola and also obviously having Wheeler as a top two, that, that's pretty good. That's comparable. It's its not quite DeGrom Scherzer, but it, it's really good, actually. Uh, wouldn't want to face that in a best of five series. And then the Phillies lineup, I mean, they're doing all this without their best hitter, Bryce Harper. So uh, I'm just kind of intrigued. Bryson Stott has looked really good lately. Um, the Atlanta Braves, the, the fun thing about them, Vaughn Grissom, and Michael Harris, I mean, the fact that those two kids, they're the two youngest players in baseball right now, are producing at the level they are, it's like the Braves' development just can't get much better. No, it can't. And I love the way that they aggressively promote. Like, they're not they're not like, hey, you have to have all this success. Like, if you're doing well, let's, let's call you up and let's see what you're made of. I love that. Uh, the Mets with Jacob deGrom, I wonder if toward the end of the season or, or this final month, they're going to, I don't know. Like, are they going to keep ramping him up? Or at some point, are they going to be like, hey, let's, you know, skip a starter or whatever it is because we want you healthy for the postseason. That'll be interesting. Um, but for the Mets, too, like Brett Beatty comes up and, and looks good right away. So both these teams are having that kind of impact there. The Phillies are a team that, uh, yeah, I, I don't really think they have a shot to move ahead of the Braves or the Mets at this point in the season. But once you get into that playoff series, that's scary with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler at the top of the rotation going up against you. So they're not a team that I would want to play in a playoff series. I wish that the Marlins even had like a league average offense because they would, I don't think they would be like one of the best teams or anything, but they'd at least be in the conversation for, you know, the battle for the wild card and everything. And then, yeah, what can I say about the Nats? CJ Abrams back up. That's, I guess, kind of exciting. But yeah, onto the NL Central. St. Louis Cardinals are up two games on the Brewers. Um, the Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, Pittsburgh Pirates are all really bad behind those. Oh, wait, you think that they're bad? <laughs> <laughs> they're so bad. It's so painful to watch. That Field of Dreams game, the moment that you saw that matchup, did you just cringe? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I wanted nothing to do with that. Yeah, I started seeing the promotions. I was like, oh, I loved the Field of Dreams game yet last year. That was awesome. And you had the, the Yankees and the White Sox, the Commanders, and it's a walk-off. It's like, Let's see the encore. And then, oh no, it's the Cubs <laughs> and the Reds. No home runs in the corn. It was it was an okay game at best. Like I mean, just two crappy teams. And you know the broadcast half the time. Poor Joe Davis. He was just like having to find positive spins on things when these two teams are just absolute garbage. There was an injury, I believe, to Wilson Contreras in that game. It just it just was not great. Um, give us somebody better. I I kind of want to see a, a classic matchup next year. Um, give us like the Cardinals versus either like the Giants or Dodgers. How about that? Make Derek or myself happy at some point. Give us Cardinals versus Di Dodgers or Giants. Would love to see that two classic teams. Um, and uh, yeah, get us some bombs in the corn, man. But overall for this division, you know, the Cardinals to me, it, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but it's, it's their year on paper because it's the final year. It feels like of Albert Pujols. It's the final year it feels like of Adam Wainwright, who, by the way, goes nine crazy shutout innings before allowing a run in the ninth inning against the Brewers the other day. Um, you also have Yadier Molina in the end of his stint. It's like 
if you want a year for the Cardinals to be really, really good and win the World Series as a Cardinals fan, this is the year, right? And, you know, there's something about those 11s, those crazy 11s. They've won it in 2011, 11 years later, 2022. I mean, do they have a David Freeze in their system now that they could do that? I don't know. But um, they've got some pieces that are kind of scary. I thought that they would make moves to the deadline to make them stronger. They didn't really do that. Of course, they were in the Soto talks. I still think they're far and away better than the Brewers. I know the Brewers have good pitching, but the Brewers lineup is just absolutely awful. And I don't know. The Cardinals just have something there that's beyond the game of baseball with that trio of you know, old time stars that I think kind of adds an element that is going to make these younger guys motivated to win at this level. I mean, they didn't have to acquire much at the deadline because they acquired a youthful Albert Pujols in the last 15 days. He's got a 1300 OPS over the last seven days. He's hitting 500 with over a 1600 OPS that two home run game he had against the Brewers over last weekend and the second one he hits and he gets all pumped up. That got me going. I'm not a Cardinals fan or everything, but like that was so fun to watch. He's getting to go. I love this Cardinals team. I really do. Like Nolan Arenado and Goldschmidt have been MVP candidates. And Dylan Carlson, even though it doesn't really hit, he's a really good fielder. Just overall, they, they just play such good defense. Like Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, um, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. These are all like gold glove guys. And the pitchers, like, I don't know. None of them jump off the page. It, it kind of reminds me of like the Royals team that won the World Series in terms of the starting pitching. I, I guess a lot similar because both those teams were like great defensively too. Um, but those Royals teams, like there was never like a true ace, right? I know they traded for Johnny Cueto like in his prime at the deadline and, and he kind of became that guy. But it was like Jordan Ventura, who was a good pitcher, more of like a number two, number three. Uh, you had like Jeremy Guthrie on the 2014 yep. team, right? It, it was a bunch of guys who were kind of more of like, Two, Middle three, rotation, fours. yeah, yeah. Exactly, and they didn't really have that trace. That's kind of like the Cardinals, right? Like Jordan Montgomery is like, he's a solid pitcher, but he's not an ace. Like Miles Michaelis having a great season, but he's not really an ace. And, and they just have all these guys, and because they're so good at fielding and they have a good enough lineup, I, I just really like the, watching this team play baseball. So they're my pick to to win the NL Central. And uh, uh, the Brewers just, I don't know. I, I don't understand, like, why have they not called up Asturi Ruiz? Like, they need the punch to the lineup. Uh, the Josh Hader trade, I guess, kind of worked out because he's struggling, but also Taylor Rogers is struggling too. Right. So right. It, it's kind of equaled out in that way, and you gave up to Nelson Lamette. I don't really get it. As far as those other teams, it's just kind of all about, like, uh, let's see interesting guys. Like, what is Ronzi Contreras going to look uh, like the rest of the season? You know, who are going to fill in for all these innings for the Chicago Cubs, I guess. But anyway, last one is the NL West. The Dodgers are blowing everyone out. They're 16 and a half games up on the Padres. Their run differential is plus 250. If I combined the Yankees at plus 195, the Brewers at plus 32, and the Giants at plus 25, it would only be two runs better than the L.A. Dodgers. They've been insane right now. They're on an absolute heater. Uh, they've been blessed by Joey Gallo, who seems to wherever he go, he just wins. Um, and, yeah, the, the Padres are in a wild card spot, but they're fading. The Giants are getting hot right now. Will it continue? I don't know. I think it's just kind of an easy part of the schedule. And then the Diamondbacks and Rockies. Diamondbacks uh, at least have some interesting players, but both teams not very good. Yeah, we did a whole breakdown of this on our uh, State of the NLS podcast. And, uh, you know, a big thing uh, that was a big topic for us, obviously, was talking about Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, what happened there. Obviously, that is a massive blow to San Diego, losing him for 80 games. And you wonder what that does momentum-wise. Uh, does that kind of get in the, 
the players' brains that, hey, we were expecting this major bat to arrive and instead Tatis decided to be an idiot again, you know, like, and the players were not happy. Uh, and their interviews, they were very brutally honest. Uh, if you haven't heard, just go to Joe Musgrove or Mike Clevenger's interview. Um, neither one was particularly thrilled by what Tatis was doing. They've had some character issues, Jerkson Profar being called out by his teammates as he's making a lazy throwback in the field. Manny Machado continues to just kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this. I mean, he is a leader, but then he also kind of has this ego that seems to take over sometimes. Like he uh, was interviewed and they asked him what his response to these, lo- these losses early on after the trade was. And he said, well, I'm Manny effing Machado. And it's like, I don't know. There, there's a class part of the game of baseball that I think he's just lacking in. And it just doesn't feel like it's the Padre season. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll eat my words later, but uh, the Dodgers are running away with this division. I kind of have a feeling that the Giants are going to overtake the Padres. I, I will be honest. I think the Giants are a more fun team. I think that this Giants team, while it's not maybe as good as what you saw in 2021, it's still a lot of the same pieces that were there. And you don't just go from winning 107 games to barely making it to 500. I, I think that they know how to win. They know how to win close games. Uh, it looks like Lamont Wade Jr. is kind of on his way back here a little bit. Tyro Estrada has just looked great. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of buying the Giants. I'm not going to lie. I just I wonder if they've they've set themselves too big of a hole um, just because it is still like four and a half, five games back of the Padres. But we've seen this before where the Giants have specifically like run down the Padres as the season has gone on. So it wouldn't be totally shocking. And the Giants do have like a legit like good pitching staff. It's a pitching staff that I I would love to see in the postseason, uh, not just because you have frontline guys with Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon, but also because like use Jacob Junis backing on each other. The like two, three innings goes through the order one or two times. And that could be really good. So I, I would love to see him get there. I just, I, I haven't seen enough consistency from them. And it just, the fact that you have gone eight and two, your last 10, and you're still four and a half, five games back just makes me think that it's going to be a little too tough to overcome, but you're right. The Padres, they did this last year. They, they fell off at the end of the season. Joe Musgrove has like a five ERA over his last couple handfuls of starts here. Um, so he's kind of fallen off similar to how he did last season. You don't have Fernando Tatis. Um, Juan Soto has been great since coming over, but, you know, it's just there's not as much depth there as you might have hoped before the season started, especially in the pitching rotation. And, and I don't love the bullpen. Josh Hader has struggled. There's something wrong with them. And I I don't know if it'll be the Giants that catch them, but if they end up having to play the Dodgers in the playoff series, I think I'm picking a sweep in that one. <laughs> Okay, um, that is the NL West. I don't really have anything to add. Diamondbacks, I guess Christian Wild, Daniel Rivera, interesting. Um, let's get to our shotgun six-pack, wrap this thing up. The MLB updated their top 100 today. Who is your favorite top 20 prospect? Yeah, I, you know, I have a biased one, so I'll name that, and then I'll name one that's outside of my bias. My bias one, in our personal fantasy league, uh, I was really not high on Trevor Story after what he did in his first month. I, I was high on him going into the season. I thought he was going to have a great year and hit in Boston and take advantage of the the Green Monster. He just didn't do that for me. Um, and so I tried to poach Gunnar Henderson before people realized his value because I was kind of keeping tabs on him. And um, he was just absolutely mashing in the minor leagues. And so wanted to jump on him. I don't think I anticipated – that this much attention around him uh he has jumped to the number two 
player in all baseball. And and that was pretty exciting because trading Trevor story. And I actually got a closer Daniel Bard, as well as a pick in upgrade in our league, uh, as well as Gunnar Henderson. I, I feel like I won that trade already before Henderson has even played a game, you know? And so I, I'm excited for him. I think he needs to learn how to hit lefties a little bit better uh, before he gets the call, but he looks good enough to get the call right now. He's 21 years old. Um, I'm intrigued by him, but that's my biased one. As far as overall prospects, uh, you know, there, there's a couple guys that really stood out to me in this top 100 set here. But I think Yuri Perez is the one that I'm really intrigued by. Uh, the Marlins have him in the top 10 now, and he is just looking like he may be another future Marlins ace. And they, they have a bunch of these young guys. Uh, the Marlins pitching, I don't know what they do in their development, but it's working. And Yuri Perez is just the next guy that's throwing 100 that basically is going to go out there and he could very well be as good as Sandy at the top. I mean, really, if you see reports and watch this kid, he looks good. So he's my other pick right there. Yeah, I was, I was going to actually go Yuri Perez. So I'll pick someone else. Cause yeah, he's only 19 years old. The average double a is like 23 years old. He's got a, a 12 and a half K per nine. Um, he's just been incredible. He's, he's super fun to watch and, and still super young. I'll go with Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, he is a 20 year old in double a so still about three years younger than league average the k rate is a little bit high it's around 30 percent you'd like to see that around closer to 20 25 percent but again he's young by far for his age and everywhere he's been and this dude just crushes the baseball i uh i think i mentioned on a show a couple weeks ago i would love to have the all six foot seven lineup with aaron judge <laughs> o'neill cruz and ellie de la cruz um, but this guy, like, he hit like a 400 and like 80 foot home run the other day. He in high A wound up with a 609 slugging percentage over a 300 average so far in double A, which again, he's three years younger than the average age in 20 games. He's got a 284 average and a 580 slugging. So uh, this guy's really exciting, big shortstop prospect. And, and I think one of those guys who eventually, if he keeps doing this, he's going to be a top five prospect down the road. Okay, number two on the shotgun six pack. Who's your favorite non-top 50 prospect in the MLB 100? Yeah, uh, there's there's quite a few that I really like on this list. Um, there, there are some that I'm shocked actually dropped away that they did. Uh, you know, you saw Nick Gonzalez, the drop that he had. That was pretty mighty. Uh, I, I was a little surprised by how significant they punished him there. Um, you know, I'm a big Vaughn Grissom fan. We've seen what he's done at the MLB already. He's 21 years old. He's the second youngest, I believe, in the league outside of Harris. Um, and he's already mashing. But in terms of guys that are, you know, potentially going to be, you know, solid pickups moving forward, um, a guy that I think deserved a little more attention, and I'm glad he finally got the attention, is Emmanuel Rodriguez. Uh, he was mashing before an injury. Uh, outfielder for the Minnesota Twins. He's just cracked a top two, a top 100. Uh, but Rodriguez looks like he projects as a guy that can uh, have an OPS, a really high OPS, high ceiling as well, as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, that's been a big setback for him this season. Um, but I, I love that pickup uh, to add him to the top 100. I feel like he was very well deserving of that. And I don't know why I didn't hear much about him until probably around June, July. And I started kind of digging on him a little bit and researching him. And I, I feel like this kid has the natural tools to be an everyday MLB player that makes an impact from fantasy perspective too. Okay. I want to talk about a couple of um, Cleveland guardians prospects. So the first is Bo Naylor and he's less of like a high 
potential guy, but someone to keep an eye on at the end of the season here because the Guardians could use some help at catcher. He's got a 406 OBP right now with a 476 slug so far in the minors this year, 882 OPS. He's uh, got some good pop, 20 doubles, 13 home runs over there, and he, he steals bases for a catcher, 17 steals this season as a catcher, so does a lot of things well. He's one I definitely have my eye on at the moment. But the other guy is Gavin Williams. He's ranked just outside the top 50. I don't think this guy's getting enough credit right now. So he just tossed six perfect innings yesterday at double A. And that brings totals on the season. But high A, keep in mind, he was a rookie. He was just drafted last year. So he's already bounced up to double A in his first full year of the minors. He's on 90 and a third innings between the two levels. 149 ERA, 0.91 whip and over a 33% K rate, which the MLB average is like 22%. He's also got a below average walk rate as well. So he's one I definitely want to keep an eye on, especially because he's with a team that tends to produce good starting pitchers. Number three on the shotgun six-pack, you have to take a bike ride across the country. Who is driving the motorcycle, Madison Bumgarner or Chris Sale? <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr., I think. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, he's the most roided out, right? Like, he's going to be the strongest guy to maneuver. I, I mean, I, between those two, give me Bumgarner just because I know that I'm not going to be in danger in the sense that if we have to get off at some sketchy stop, I know that he could probably punch somebody and I'll be okay. So I'll take Bumgarner. I'll take Bumgarner. I want the stories. Number four, better nickname for Vinny Pasquantino, because this is kind of going around here locally. Uh, nobody's really settling on nicknames. First, it was Italian breakfast. Then it turned into Italian nightmare. Now it is kind of circulating around Pasquatch, which is your favorite. Ooh, I like Italian breakfast. I think that that's just clean. He he kind of is leading this this rebuild off. He's uh, he's the start to it. Breakfast starts your day. Uh, he's Italian. And uh, normally I don't really think of Italian food as breakfast food. So uh, he might be the first Italian breakfast that I'd actually be intrigued by. I like Pasquatch personally. Okay, number <laughs> five, true or false? More teams should do what the Braves are doing with taking shots at long-term contracts on young players who have just been called up. I want to say true, but I'm going to say false because, and there's only one reason why I'm going to say false, the Braves are so good at development. And the only other teams that I can really – honestly say that should be doing this are the Dodgers because of the development that they've had probably the Nationals the Nationals should consider doing this extending every player that they just acquired in that deal I think that would be very smart of them just to say hey this is the new new face like I think that would be a statement um other than that I don't really think it's safe for anybody the Reds maybe the Reds the Reds are gonna have a lot of good guys uh but like you saw the Phillies tried and it failed epically with uh you know, a couple of their guys uh, we, we've seen in the past. It's just the Braves are just really good at it. Yeah, John Singleton with the Astros. But it also worked for them for Jose Altuve. I think if you're able to do it for a big number, if you get four guys to do it, two of them pan out, then it, it's probably worth it. Okay, uh, last one. Mike Trout, who's set to return Friday, is a top blank player the rest of the season in fantasy. Oh, it's so tough, man. I want to say he's a top 10, but he's not going to be because they're going to rest him. And then this is what the Angels do. They'll, they'll rest him and all of a sudden, you know, he'll play in half the games. He's going to be a top 100. I, I'm just going to keep it safe and easy. He'll put up great numbers, but they're going to do what Byron Buxton's having to go through right now, which is play one game, maybe play another and then rest. 
or play one game rest, play one game rest. It's just the Angels have nothing to play for. I, I think that top 100 is the best at this point. I'll go top 30. I could see him in that like 30 to 50 range, but I do agree. I think that's a, a very big concern. Well, this is Booze and Baseball, or at least that was Booze and Baseball. Another edition here with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Subscribe, give us a five-star review, and we'll see you next time.